You are now listening to Sanity at the Movies. Avengers. I hope they remember you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sanity at the Movies. This is Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, agent provocateur. We're joined by the pastor who's a master of cinema going and cinema discussion, Mr. Jacob Benzel. How you doing, Jake? Good. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing filmtastic. Over there, we've got Benjamin Solzer, our beloved engineer. We're going once more into the Marvelverse. We did those episodes. That we, get, we did one episode that was called Wakanda Forever? Many of our discussions have swerved in and out of the Marvelverse. Yes, we've swerved in and out of the Marvelverse. But uh, today we're talking about Avengers Infinity War, the, the biggest movie of the year, except for maybe you could argue Black Panther was bigger because that was, after all, as the TV ads reminded us, a cultural phenomenon. But we are recording this on the Friday that the movie came out. We went to an early showing yesterday. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to give you our thoughts. And let's go first to the red carpet. The part of the show where I give you a short bit of context. So this is, of course, a Marvel movie by Marvel Studios. They started out as a comic book. I'm just kidding, folks. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of context about this movie. I think you kind of know what it is. It's a Marvel movie, right? There's There's been 10 years of them. The logo, the studio logo in this movie just even been has, updated. A, has a 10. Nathan, what, do you know how many movies this makes for Marvel? The, <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe proper? I sure do. I knew I could count on you. (laughs) They have produced 19 films that have been released. There are 13 more in various stages of production. The series collectively has grossed. Anyone want to guess? We're in the billions. We're definitely in the billions. $3.5 billion. Low, too low. Oh, man. I have no idea. Well, it's higher than what Ben said. $7 billion. Too low. $15 billion. Slightly too high. $14 billion. Slightly too low. $14.5 billion. Slightly too low. <laughs> $14.7 billion. Slightly too low. <laughs> $14.8 billion. Slightly too low. Oh, $14.9 billion. Correct. Good ah, guess. Right. Great guess. I knew I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have uh, grossed over $14.9 billion, fellas. That was coming into this weekend. They've already... Yeah, by the time you hear this, they will have grossed. I will have been right on my third guess. Yeah. Guys, let's head off the red carpet and into the concession stand. (laughs) Mm. Concessions, of course, part of the show where we talk about why we are here. Because that's the question that often occurs to me while I'm in the popcorn line. What am I doing here? <laughs> why did I come again? Why Why are we talking about Marvel, Jake? You know, we like to talk about stuff that's culturally important or interesting or fun to talk about. It's, on Yeah, so what, what is it about this Marvel It's really simple. This is probably the biggest blockbuster of the year for kids. You were telling me, in fact, that you asked your kids uh, a question about this. Well, I asked them what do they think is cooler, Marvel stuff or Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And they said Marvel stuff. It was close because Star Wars is still cool and has a lot of cachet, but the consensus was that Marvel's actually cooler than Star Wars for them. In the last 10 years, I've been building up to this movie, which is supposed to be like the biggest superhero crossover, blah, 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 blah event. And everybody's going to go see it. So we figured we'd go see it too and help you figure out what you should think about it. Yeah. Can get much more simple than that, I guess. All right, guys, well, let's move from the concession line into the next part of the theatrical experience that everyone always experiences, 
The death match! <laughs> <laughs> it's the Sanity yes. Death Match. Now, this is a new feature in our, our new favorite segment, as I like to say, where we are going to have some death matches. We are going to go six rounds today, guys. We're going to pit one aspect of this uh, Avengers Infinity War against another aspect. We're going to have people argue. Each side will be given 60 seconds, and then I, as the impartial judge, will make a decision. Now, I may also be acting as an arguer, but that won't influence the decision that I make <laughs> at all. So to be clear, this is just sort of random assigning... Viewpoints that we're about to express do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Warhorn Media, of Jacob Menzel, of Nathan Albertson, or of Benjamin Sulser. There will be spoilers, folks. We're going to spoil things about this movie, starting now. So, so Jake, just as we're going to talk about this movie, give us plot synopsis just so people yeah, know yeah, what we're yeah. talking so about. So over the last 10 years, it's all been building towards this. There are these six things called Infinity Stones that you can basically get exposition of if you watch almost any Marvel, <laughs> almost movie. Any Marvel movie, you'll get some exposition of what a, an Infinity Stone is. Mm-hmm. There's a big bad who's been looming over the whole universe named Thanos. He's out to get the Infinity Stones, and then he's going to get the Infinity Stones. He's going to destroy half of the universe's population. He's on his quest to do that. This film, he starts to collect them. Will he get them all? Won't he get them all? What will he do when he gets them all? Will our heroes be able to stop him? If he won't get it's them all, all if been... our heroes, the Earth's mightiest heroes, in fact, the Avengers, have anything to say about it. That's right. So that's what this movie is about. All of the characters that we've been getting to know are brought in to fight Thanos. Got a little bit of that hero's journey kind of stuff to it, like we talked about not too long ago. Except in this film, they never really get out of the belly of the whale. All right, fellas, uh, let's go straight into this. We are going to start with Deathmatch number one. Okay, so this movie deals with the theme of the one versus the many. Thanos' plan is basically to exercise a severe genocidal form of population control to kill lots and lots, trillions, in fact, of living beings in order that the others should survive. You've got Captain America and Tony Stark and everybody on, e- on all these sides weighing in and you've got all these dramatic situations where they have to make a choice over whether to prioritize the needs of the one or the needs of the many. For our first death match, we are going to have Mr. Benjamin Solzer represent the side of the many, and he's going to argue that that is correct, that uh, he thinks you should, we should wipe out half the population to avoid, uh, well, we'll let Ben, we'll just use your argument for the many, Ben. Mr. Jake over there, he's going to argue for... The few, for the one, in fact. So, uh, Ben, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, and we're going to start in three, two, one, go. Well, one of the movie's main themes or struggles is that uh, you should sacrifice the good of the one for the many because sometimes you just have to. Best example is Doctor Strange, who is willing to uh, not save the lives of Spider-Man and Iron Man if it means keeping the time stone from Thanos. Why? Because... That's how he'll save the universe. I mean, it's not really that hard to draw analogies from his decision to a lot of decisions that a lot of people have made in our world that are hard to to avoid saving a couple people here or there. This is kind of a military thing in order to achieve a larger objective. And that just makes sense. That's Doctor Strange's attitude. It's also the attitude of a couple of characters who are willing to sacrifice themselves 
for the good of the rest of the universe, like Vision being willing to to have uh, Scarlet Witch take his life so that Thanos can't get his Infinity Stone. Thanos is just a dark version of oh, that. Oh, you're out of time. <laughs> All right. Well, Ben, fantastic job. Now, uh, uh, Jake, uh, you're going to represent the, the needs of the the few. Of the few. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say three, two, one, go. Okay, so here's the deal. No hero kills other people for the good of the col- the the collective whole. That's just not the way it works. And Marvel has staked its claim on that and built their universe around the idea that we don't sacrifice individual people on the altar of the collective good. That's collectivist nonsense and garbage. Our heroes aren't going to be that way. Our heroes are going to care about actual individual people, and they're going to find a way to save the day without sacrificing the people that they love or just innocent people in general. And this movie plays with that idea and tries to push and see if our heroes will be hypocrites or not, if they will play by Thanos' rules or not. And we have guys that won't, like Tony and Cap. We have people that kind of get pushed into bending and breaking those rules, and they happen to be the more morally ambiguous people, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, Gamora and and Chris Pratt, who are, are, are clearly not the heroes that are And the you're out of time. Well... I'm going to have to rule. Let's see. Whose side should I rule in? Who was I convinced by? I'm actually not really convinced by either one of you guys. I say you both lose because the movie <laughs> itself is kind of confused. It's and, confused. Uh, yeah. It has a lot of per, different ideas. Per, it has a lot of different ideas and it tries to play with them in all these different situations. But yeah, always, maybe, maybe if we had argued, does the movie successfully make a case one way or the other? Right. It does not. <laughs> it feels very arbitrary in the movie whether Cap, like who's going to take one side? You, you ought to be able to predict based on what you know of their character what side they take. But it all just feels like it was what the screenplay Demanded kind of of them. yeah. So, I, I bought Doctor Strange. I did buy Doctor yes. Strange. There were some that were he better was the than best. others. But then you've got Peter Quill, Mr. Guardians of the Galaxy, who at one point in the movie tries to make a very no- noble decision. It doesn't end up mattering as things fall out. Mm-hmm. And then later on makes an incredibly selfish, lame, terrible, selfish decision. We're not really tracking that as any kind of arc or anything. It's just in one moment he did what the screenplay required, and in another moment he did what the screenplay required. And he, yeah. he, he um, just—I don't know—I I tracked it okay. He follows his own emotional logic. That's all. Yeah, I suppose that's true, but it felt kind of cheap to me. And there's many other sure. examples. I have th- I think I actually like a Vision and a Scarlet uh, Witch. That part—they they came off the best. I thought in yeah, terms of I having so of making us actually feel that struggle. And then Thanos actually came off. Pretty okay, I thought, most yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. That'll actually be another part of our death match. Let's let's go ahead and move. Uh, me and Ben had a little argument outside of the theater yesterday. Yes, we did. And there was there was even raised voices. <laughs> I won't tell you whose. Not raised fists. <laughs> Not raised fists. No. Ben is a big fan of the Bourne action movie franchise with Mr. Jason Bourne, and he likes the terrible action in that movie. In those <laughs> movies, That's I right. myself like good action and do not care for the choppy, hyper-edited, garbage garbage action where someone just takes a spool of film and throws it in a blender and then whatever kind of pops out. You know, you're not on the clock yet. (laughs) Stop (laughs) using my power. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I have all the Infinity Stones. The podcasting stone. So we're going to argue. I'm going to argue for the action in this Avengers movie, which I did think was much better than the Bourne movies. And Ben is going to argue for the Bourne movies. Ben, I'll let you decide whether you want to go first or second. I'll let you go first, Nathan. (laughs) All right. I'll hold the clock for you. All right. Start me, Jake. All right, ready, set, go. 
Okay, so Avengers had good action. You could tell what was going on. It was really nice to be able to tell what was going on as opposed to the Bourne movies, which basically achieved their action scenes with sound effects. You hear Jason Bourne do things. Sometimes you see what he's going to do, like, oh, he grabbed a phone book or he grabbed a pen. I bet he... And then you see a flurry of choppy things happen. The camera shots are usually very close to his body. You'll see an arm or a leg or something like that. And it'll cut, literally, we're talking milliseconds, less than a second in between shots. And you really won't be able to tell what's going on. And you'll be, as someone that loves action and loves action movies, incredibly frustrated. Whereas if you go see this Avengers movie, you will not feel that frustration. You will be like, I'm sure I'm glad I understand what's going on in these action scenes where, yeah, it's a little frantic, but I can basically tell what's going on and who's who and what the geography is, and I'm very happy, and I'm glad I spent money on it. Time. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know how you're going to beat that, Ben, but you can go ahead in three, two, one, go. All right, well, I really don't have anything against the action in this Avengers movie except, well, a couple scenes, but I'm not going to go into that because the Bourne movie action is just so great, and the reason it's great is... <laughs> <laughs> you better keep it up. The reason boy. is great is because uh, you can tell that the director is tracking the character's movements through space, even with even with the editing being so quick. So the quick editing gives you the feeling of intensity and kind of an emotional, an extra emotional intensity. And he still tracks things through space. So even though the edits are quick, you know, uh, you know the movement of characters' bodies, and you can follow it across the shots. And you, and you go in and out a little bit, and you feel like you're in the middle of the fight, and it's not taken to an unwatchable extreme like it is with, I think the best example is Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins, where you really cannot see anything that's happening. It is just a literal flurry of limbs, and that's like a caricature of the style established by Paul Greengrass in the second, in the, in the two Time. movie sequels. Ben loses. <laughs> he said caricature. <laughs> Caricature, man. Caricature. It's a reading word, man. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <it's> a, <laughs> plus, Batman is in Silhouse a lot of the time. Man. When, during that flurry of words. It's a, it's, a, it's a caricature of the word caricature. That's what well, it is. You made a noble effort, Ben. And I will say, as far as action movies that do have that frantic, terrible, horrible post-action Nonsense. The Bourne movies are far and away the best li- done, but and they spawned, they still a, had spawned a, a host of terrible limitations, terrible influence. And this movie, Avengers, to me, felt like a movie that had kind of come out of that and was basically you could tell what was going on most of the time, which I really, really like in an action movie. Most of the time. All right, guys, let's do. We haven't had a Jake and Nathan fight yet. Let's do Thanos versus Jake. You liked Thanos. You thought he was a pretty good villain, right? He's all right. Yeah. So you're going to defend him for this next next death match. I will. Wait, def- what am I going to defend? I'm just going to defend that he's a good villain. Or? Well, it's going to be versus me. I'm going to say that every other Marvel Thanos villain is a better villain than Nathan. <laughs> so I have to. I can't just argue what I actually think was he's a pretty good villain. I have to argue that he's the best villain in the MCU. You can argue that he's a pretty good villain. I guess that means I have to argue that he's not a good villain, which I thought he was fine. Okay, then let me argue that he's the best villain in the MCU. There we go. And then you argue that no, he's not, and throw up the better villains. That's against- what. That's That'll we'll be more do. interesting. Yep. All right. So, uh, all right. Here we go. Nathan, go. Um, every other Marvel villain is better than Thanos. <laughs> That's not what I believe. Thanos was fine. I'll just talk about the weaknesses of Thanos. Uh, everything with Thanos is real abstract. You don't really... You, he, they tell rather than show a lot. So he says, I have to deal with 
overpopulation. He's basically, that's his problem. But we don't actually see why it matters. He says, I have the will to do things. And then he, he says, I really love you, Gamora. But again and again, we're not really shown those things. We're just kind of told after the fact, Thanos really cares about Gamora. Thanos really cares about overpopulation. We're never really made to feel it. There's not the scenes that really cement it for us. Um, so in that sense, he was weak. Obviously, the Dark Elves in Thor Part 2 are the greatest villains of all time. I mean, how can you not love the Dark Elves? They got the Dark Matter. They're they're taking out New York City, or, or DC, I think, in that case. And that's my time. I think it was London. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jake with the rebuttal. Go. Okay. Thanos is, in fact, the greatest uh, villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and here's why. He's the only villain that's a true threat. He's the only villain that actually feels unbeatable or invincible. Every other villain is a puppet. Nobody can beat uh, Thanos. Every other villain is an an inevitable defeat. Sure, maybe they don't do the greatest job uh, showing that he's, you know, that he loves Gamora or whatever, but they do make him reasonably sympathetic. And the reason, the way they do that is by making him principled. He does not lie. He tells the truth. He says what he means. He does not go back on his word. If he says he's going to save, uh, spare somebody, he spares them. He's very principled. And he, he, he sees that th- through to his horrible logical end, but he is the most powerful person in the universe and nobody can stand up to him. He is the only credible threat that our heroes have ever faced and that makes him the best villain. doesn't matter what you have to say about performances of anybody else in the universe. Time. Jake wins with the caveat that I'm not entirely wrong about the fact that he probably could have been even better than he already was. Yeah. And what about those 300 dwarves on the Dwarven Forge planet? Didn't he get that, that one survivor get a promise? He didn't that he get would... a promise. He said, oh. I hoped. Oh, all right. Yeah. Good job. Thanos doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. Good job. All right. Well, they you were guys. consistent with that throughout the film. You guys know my favorite topic is feminism in movies. We obviously, on The Sound of Sanity, we love Wonder Woman. She runs around in her underwear. She fights the Nazis. And this movie had some some ladies, no one necessarily in their underwear, I don't think, but fighting some some alien Nazis, basically. Ben, I'd like you to argue that the movie was a pro-feminist movie. All right. I want you to argue for the feminist propaganda that was Avengers Infinity. Jake, I'm going to give you the job of arguing that it was an anti-feminist movie. An anti-feminist movie. All right. So uh, who wants to go first? I really don't care. I don't care either. Do you want me to go first, Ben? Yeah, sure. All right. All right. Jake, uh, on your mark, get set, go. Uh, first point, there is no credible woman in this movie in any way, shape, or form that has anything to offer. Gamora is not, a, the, the closest that you get, she's not a threat to anybody. She's not a threat to Thanos, and she dies. Then we've got the girl fight. Why do we have to have a girl fight? Why can't the girls just fight other men? Why can't it just be a level playing field? Why do we have to spend a bunch of screen time on a girl fight? Because this is not really a feminist movie. It's an anti-feminist movie. It's gross. We've got the eye candy for the guys, and we've got girls fighting girls. And if it were truly feminist, they'd be integrated. Three, at the end of the girl fight, Scarlett Johansson gets slimed and says, oh, that was gross or disgusting, whatever she says, right? It's totally uh, uh, playing on stereotypes and tropes. Again, very anti-feminist of them. And, and, and back to Gamora being maybe the only credible woman threat who's not a real threat to anybody and nobody cares about. Thanos talks about her being the most dangerous woman in the universe or something Time. like that. 
I let you go. Which is which is garbage. I let you go six seconds over because I called her. What? The, nope. well, oh, why no. does it have to be qualified <laughs> no, by a woman? Stop! Stop! <laughs> all right, all right, all right, Ben. I don't know if you're going to be able to rebut that. I don't know that I can. All right, well, I will you'll try. Get your chance starting now. Well, first of all, you still have women superheroes beating the tar out of giant alien beasts, and at some point, you know, male. Uh, Things. Thanos' children, the guys who are male, the one with the spear, he gets stabbed by the by the Black Widow. And you have the Scarlet Witch, you know, beating the crud out of two of Thanos' children at the same time. You have stuff like that, that's common. Um, and you have that little that little uh well, it's an illusion, but Thanos gives his daughter Gamora the illusion that she has successfully slaughtered him. And that's like the whole goal. Her. He was toying with her, but that was still her goal. And it's 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 the goal of his daughter Nebula because of the glass ceiling. And <laughs> why are you talking during my time? I don't know what you did. Allow it. And, and it's more fun. but the but the coup de gras is of course that and no none of the male heroes can save the movie. They can't stop Thanos, and they don't. They fail. But in the post credit sequence, we see one hero time. being called the bottom Captain Marvel. She's eleven. <laughs> She's gonna save everything. Time. Time. Uh, okay, you're both held in contempt of court, um, <laughs> but I'm gonna give it to Jake. I'm gonna give it to Jake, and the reason I'm gonna give it to Jake is I think that there are actually very few perfect feminist movies because feminism is in fact the enemy of good storytelling, and so most movies that pretend to be feminist actually cheat quite a bit in just the ways that Jake was describing this movie cheats. Actually, they do have the women revert to womanly type all over the place because it turns out that's how human nature works and those are the kinds of things that we like that to see in our stories. That resonate with people. Yeah. Like, so, like Gamora weeping after she you know, brings down the patriarchy, so to speak. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, she kills Thanos. She, she and kills she her dad and then she can't live with herself. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Chris and, Pratt doesn't cry when he kills his dad. Nope. In Guardians. Oh, well, I haven't seen that one, but I believe you. I mean, the classic example from my childhood is The Matrix, where Trinity's supposed to be this warrior woman. She was the prototypical warrior woman for a generation of movie watchers. But then by the end of the movie, she's like the princess that's going to kiss him back to life. <laughs> so, Which The Matrix, I'm sure a lot of people would say, well, we would never do that now. I'm sure feminists have written articles and stuff, but they would still do it now because... People they still actually, do do it now. That's pe- why yeah. you know. That's why we had a girl fight in this movie, and then ScarJo said, "That's gross. That was gross." Because that's what girls are like. They think things are gross. Okay. So yeah, no, 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 no such thing as a the the closest they've come in mainstream to making a truly good feminist movie was that terrible Star Wars thing that I hated, Episode Eight or whatever it was. <laughs> All right, guys. So I don't know. Jake wins, I guess. Let's do a Nathan versus Ben here. A lot of critics have argued that this movie is a big old mess, that it's a jumble, that it has conflicting tones and characters and just just like they threw a bunch of stuff in a pot and doesn't really all coalesce. Ben, I'm going to have you argue for that point of view. Well, okay. I'm going to argue that it's a beautiful mosaic, that every piece forms an intricate chain and there's a design and this is their design and it's beautiful and wonderful and i'm gonna All make right. you go first i'll go I first can, man I can do that um, <clears throat> ben one two three go well anytime you throw you know 95 different superheroes or however many superheroes there were in this movie together and they're from like five six seven eight nine different movie franchises you're gonna have kind of a jumble no matter what you do and so you know i give the directors credit for trying but the fact is You've got just everything coming together constantly. And you've got, you've got, you know, 
Wakanda plus the Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got you've got the Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy plus Thor. You've got the Guardians of the Galaxy plus pretty much everything as it happens. You've got uh, you've got you've got tonal shifts from oh I'm Thanos and I have a dark terrible past. I'm a raccoon and I'm making jokes. Well, uh, sure, I, I guess so. Right. <laughs> I'm a rabbit and I'm making jokes. You've got you've got every you've got every an attempt to bring every single tone of the whole Marvel universe into one movie, and some tones are going to get short shrift. And actually, the overall tone is pretty dark. Like, hey, look, people are getting tortured. But don't worry, I'm back. I'm a raccoon, Time. and I'm making a joke. Time. All right, I'm going to come back with the rebuttal here. One, two, three. Go. I thought this movie was a masterpiece of different tones. And that's I said that in a silly way, but I'm actually not being silly. I thought they did a really nice job. We saw it with a big crowd ye- yesterday, and they laughed, and they cheered, and they seemed to be with it. And then they were devastated by what happens at the end, and you could hear it vocally, people just responding to everything. You can tell if you sit in a crowd of people whether a movie's playing or not. And this movie played for people. They liked this. They they were on the edge of their seats. They were cheering for their heroic stuff. Everything worked, and no 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 one thing detracted from another thing. I think Marvel actually is really is one of the things I like about them is that I think they're very very good at combining tones. Sometimes they they do better than others, but in this one, I didn't feel like any of the characters got uh, short shrifted. You, you got to spend plenty of time with the more quippy characters. It was fun to see Iron Man and Doctor Strange uh, face off and try and out-quip each other. And, but you still felt the stakes. It still felt real. It still felt emotion. Time. So you're calling me on time. Uh, I'm going to give the point to... You. I think, actually, I, I'll give us both a point. I, I'm not going to give Ben any points because he didn't actually make the one point that he should have made. Mm. But I'm going to give Ben's side the point because the point that Ben should have started with was that Captain America gets completely short shrifted. Oh, yeah, you, right, you, you argued that nobody gets short shrifted, and that's right. That was just totally me. Garbage. That was just me not being like Thanos and telling a lie because, mm-hmm. in fact, Cap and really Cap's whole team just gets short shrifted, and you don't get to spend any time with them. And it, um, mostly, I do actually think I was right. I do think the, you're right. Marvel is genius at balancing comedy even tongue-in-cheek or ironic comedy with still keeping you taking their movies seriously and being emotionally invested yeah and some movies have been worse at that than others but in this case i think it all felt of a piece it felt like the characters were behaving as they would you know so tony stark's just a self-aware quippy kind of a guy that's of course he's going to be that the guardians are kind of silly drax is silly but it doesn't feel like the filmmakers are making fun of them or condescending or putting cheap laughs in or just quips for the sake of quips. It, it all basically works. And the movie, as Ben said, it has a pretty serious tone overall, but there's lots of big laughs. And Yeah, I somewhat agree. So let it be written. So let it be said. Final death match, guys. This movie ends with a big cliffhanger, big, giant spoilers. If you didn't already take my first warning, Thanos gets all the infinity th- stones. He snaps his fingers. He wipes out half of all sentient life in the universe or whatever it is. I don't know. He wipes out a bunch of people. And many, many of our favorite heroes, including Peter Parker, including King Wakanda, whatever his name is. T'Challa, Black T'challa, Panther. Black Panther including just uh, sentimental favorites like Drax and what's the moth lady's name? Um, Mantis? Drax and Mantis and Bucky get wiped out. Some people like that cliffhanger and some people did not. I'm going to have Ben argue in favor of the cliffhanger. I'm going to have Jake argue against the cliffhanger. And I'm going to have you go first, Ben, beginning in three, two, one, go. Go. 
Well, the movie was going to end with some kind of cliffhanger. The only question was what? And I think that having a movie end with the death of half the characters you love is is a pretty good cliffhanger. Uh, I will I will give you a bone, though. I'll say that they shouldn't have made the deaths as long and drawn out because we all know that everyone we love is not going to stay dead for, like, the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so... That made it a little obvious, but still having th- having 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 the next movie set up so that you start with with Thanos having won the battle, half half of everyone is dead, the other half is left to figure it out, leaves you with a puzzle to look forward to solving. You're gonna get some kind of puzzle. Why not this one? How will these remaining characters solve things? How will they reverse the effects? Because I'm assuming they'll have to bring the other characters you love back into their own multi-million-dollar franchises. Well, there you go. It's good. You did it in 50 seconds. All right. An ironclad case. I'm sure Jake won't be able to. You know, we'll just give your, we'll just give your 10 seconds to Jake. Right just on. to be super unfair. We'll let Jake go 70 seconds. I might talk during Jake's last 10 seconds. Yeah, we'll see whether I... might I, talk over you. Yeah. No, over there well, I might talk up. over you over talking me. <laughs> well, we've got a regular Doctor Strange versus Tony Stark. That's what this is. Level of banter here. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, Jake, go. Okay. This movie... The way that it ended removed all stakes in this film whatsoever. Whatever emotional weight or gravity they wanted this movie to have, it does not and cannot have it because of how it ended. You come to this movie that's supposed to be what they've been driving at for 10 years, and it's supposed to have this emotional weight and you're supposed to cry. What they do is they end up killing everybody that matters except for Cap and Tony Stark, who are the two characters that probably will end up dying in the end, or at least one of them. And so what do they do? They just remove all emotional weight from this film whatsoever. Black Panther's dead, Spider-Man's dead. You know those guys have to come back. It's just kind of a dumb, pointless way to end this thing that robs this movie of the emotional impact that it's supposed to have. I would argue that they should have ended with the snap of the fingers or with the snap in the flash to baby Gamora, with the smile, anything, you know, him disappearing, whatever. But let's not see who dies dies every death now is suspect even gamora's earlier death and uh time tom hiddleston's earlier death i'm really torn on this one guys i get what jake's saying and i think jake's basically right it was really cheap it's a little bit like in the in the first avengers movie one of my favorite moments from that movie i remember being so feeling so uplifted by this in the theater. It was just like a nice Joss Whedon kind of a thing. It's where Tony flies up into the clouds and self-sacrifices himself and he comes plummeting down and he's lying there dead. And you think we're going to get this long fake out, like, is Tony dead? And you know that anytime you see something like that, of course, Tony Stark didn't just die. That whole scene was way more emotional than anything they gave you in this. That's true. You know, but the here's whole the thing. thing is like you've got the conflict between Cap and Tony and Cap saying, you're not a hero. You would never sacrifice. You're a selfish. And then Tony goes and he takes the risk and they have this emotional moment and he calls Pepper and whatever. And he falls back to earth and yeah, okay, he's going to survive. But then, yeah. Well, yeah, that is the thing. They, they set it up and you're right. It is actually more a, a lot more emotionally resonant. Uh, and meaningful because he's actually doing something heroic, which we don't see anybody in this movie do. Mm. But then we have what we what we what we think we're going to do is we're going to have the long drawn out, everyone's sad, and instead Hulk gets mad and just grabs Tony and shakes him, and he comes back to life right away. And it's, it turns out to be just a subversion of the whole thing. Yeah. It's just a, it's it's a funny little moment in the movie, but it's a wonderful way to just bypass that whole like. Well, we all know what's going to happen. We've already yeah. established the emotional stakes, and we've got like we've got we've wrung. Every, they're all the emotion we need to. Now we can either wallow in it and be cheap about it, or we can just make a joke about let's, it. Let's just get to the next thing, which is Tony's going to come back. Duh. We got yeah. more Avengers movies that are. That was really smart. 
And this is the exact opposite of that. This is, we're going to make the whole audience go, oh, and, and try and really rub people's noses in it. That said, I think it's basically, I do agree with Ben that it's a fun puzzle for them to have to solve next time. It's fun for them to start out with this hole to have to dig themselves out of. Basically, yeah, I just if, wish they would have. Yeah, it's the way they did it. If, 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 if Thanos yeah. had snapped his fingers and then the next movie would have started with the same people disappearing, That's right. I'd That's be fine right. with that. That yeah. would have been better. Um, I think it's that the cheap been way that they told the story, not the particular story that they're telling. That's the problem, I yep. would say. Yeah. Huh, I don't know who to give it to. We'll give it to Jake, I guess. It was a, it was a kind of a lame You did a ending. good job, Ben. Thanks. Defending a very terrible lame ending. <laughs> well, and I will also say, if you're going to do that ending, I thought they did a nice job with it, particularly Tom Holland dying yeah, was pretty well, it was affecting. He's such a good actor. Yeah, he's and, just proving himself to be a pretty, really great actor. Well, and it's just it's nice to see a young person play just vulnerable, you know, just, yeah. I don't want to Where am I? Uh, I don't want to go anymore. I don't know what he says, but, you know, it's just Something like, like oh, that. that's... I like, don't want to like, go is what it is. That's what I would say. But, if then, I was, but then he turns and starts apologizing yeah 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 yeah. so that was, it, it was nice i mean if that was actually his death scene then it, that would actually be a really powerful but even as you're watching it for the first time you're just you like know. no no they have a multi-billion dollar spider-man franchise there's no way this character is going anywhere and he's so. and he's great at it and they've only given him one movie right we're not yeah, gonna bring no Andrew garfield back yeah um, we're, we're gonna kill t'challa just after black panther breaks breaks records no it's the equivalent. There's one of those five billion Pirates of the Caribbean movies ends with Johnny Depp getting swallowed by an octopus or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next movie, they have to go to the underworld to get him back. And it's just like, gee, I wonder if Captain Jack Sparrow will be in this next Pirates <laughs> yeah. of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, we're going to talk more about this movie. But first, we thought we'd have our friends at the Popcorn Coalition weigh in. Welcome to the Popcorn Coalition. Today we're talking about Avengers Infinity War. I'm really excited. You know. Oh, I'm so excited, Nathan. There is so much great yeah. movie. The word that comes to mind, redemptive. Absolutely, Nathan. It, it Absolutely. always does, you know? It just comes right to mind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's just gets to the heart of, well, my heart, which is longing for redemption. Yeah. The heart of this movie is Redemptive sacrifice. Redemptive sacrifice. This movie this movie strikes that. at those hearts like an axe filled with lightning. Am I right, guys? Spoilers! <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> what a metaphor, guys. <laughs> if I may coin a portmanteau, a redemptifor, it's like a redemptifor. You go, man. I Why love hasn't it. anyone thought it. of that before? I don't know. That's amazing. We should start know. a new podcast called Redemptifor. We should start so many new podcasts <laughs> called Redemptifor. <laughs> I I really like to talk about the idea of redemptive sacrifice. Redemptive set. So you saw this movie and you saw redemptive sacrifice woven top to bottom throughout. Woven. This film. That Three theme of film. redemptive sacrifice ignited my heart like, like Thor ignited dead star. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Yet another redemptive for. So sacrifices are at the heart of this movie. Sacrifices. What's going to change? It is the, the world. Way. Like it is finally. The way. Like thank you, Hollywood. Finally, they acknowledge sacrifice. Sacrifice is the way. Sacrifice. Right. Everybody knows it. It's redemptive sacrifice. Yeah. No. I'm standing in line, right? And yeah, I go yeah. up and I give my money to the guy, and he gives me some popcorn, and it's like I'm sacrificing my money in and order to redeemed. redeem. The popcorn. popcorn. It's like redemptive sacrifice oh, wow. right there oh my goodness. in the popcorn it's line. Everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. 
We want to thank you for listening to the Popcorn Coalition. And here's hoping your movie-going experience gets butter and butter. All right, guys. Well, there was a, that was another edifying interstitial segment, as they all tend to be on this fine program. Jake, did you enjoy the film? It was fun. The jokes were good. The jokes were mostly pretty clean. Marvel can be really hit and miss with that sort of thing. They can indeed. And they paid off a lot of things from other movies. I enjoyed it, but I really did not like how it ended. I think it was a big mistake to not have anything in it that was emotionally resonant in the moment. Anything that I found truly heroic in the moment. And even the things that could have felt that way or almost felt that way or might have felt that way, they they took it all back with how they ended the movie. Part two might save the whole thing and change the way I look at part one. But in and of itself, I was disappointed with part one. Ten years have been building up towards this emotionally cathartic thing. I've invested in all of these characters. I've I've watched all the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, to feel like there was really no emotional payoff was cheap and lame. For it to feel just like another fun Marvel movie that ends with half of everybody dying, that uh, was just lame to me. Well, if it actually ended with every half of everyone dying, but they it didn't. would be devastating. The problem was it ended with a cheap fake out. Ben, your thoughts? I mostly agree with Jake, maybe totally. I don't know that I have much else to say. It was kind of fun. I'm not very invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I see them. I enjoy them somewhat. I thought this would be the same, and it was. No no real emotional payoff. But I, I, since I didn't have much of an investment anyway, I don't know what I would have expected. I think I like this movie a little bit better than you guys did, maybe. I basically agree with everything that Jake is saying as well. But I managed to get a hefty amount of enjoyment out of the movie it was colorful it was fun i got to see different worlds hang out with some actors and some heroes and some characters that i've grown fond of and on that level it was fun it was kind of in like on a, on a saturday morning cartoon kids show level like you just like to hang out with your heroes and watch them do stuff and you can enjoy that two and a half hours is a awful lot I was kind of making that argu- I was making the, that argument to Jake at lunch today, and he said, "Yeah, but Nathan, if you'd woken up on the other side of the bed, then what you'd be telling what you what you would have heard you tell me before about this kind of thing is, well, okay, why couldn't they give you your fun hangout movie and also have a good plot with emotionally resonant yeah, we moments? Had the, we had the flip side of this conversation when we walked out of Thor Ragnarok, which was, hey, I thought that was pretty fun for a Marvel movie, and Nathan's like, it yeah. should be pretty fun for a movie." Yeah. <laughs> Why can't I hold Marvel to a higher standard? Why does it have to be for a Marvel movie? Right. And so in a very inconsistent, random, what's the word for what I am? A flighty, horrible, uh, <laughs> well, awful. This no was good. better than Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I thought it was way better than Thor Ragnarok. I don't know. Maybe it's pretty funny. Maybe what I'm trying to say it is pretty funny. taste is relative and this one just tasted good to me. I liked it. I had fun with it. I can't quantify that exactly. The jokes were better. The jokes were better. The Guardians were funny. And on that level, I, I enjoyed it. And, and I just, you know, a lot of the planets I, and the special effects were cool. Just the hair on Thanos' skin yeah. was cool. Just him having just a little bit of stubble and stuff like that. The detail they went into. You know, if I was 13 years old, this would just be the coolest. Now, I'm not. And it's perfectly reasonable for Jake to say, or for anyone to say, why can't this movie do more? Why can't it actually achieve having a real story? You know, they've got billions of dollars. They can't spend some of that money on some writers that can take all this Saturday morning fun stuff and combine it with a story that means something. Well, yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair question. (laughs) And I don't know why they don't. But in this particular case, I was prepared to 
forget be a little bit more forgiving because I just I like hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. Maybe that's the difference between this and Thor Ragnarok. I'd rather hang out with Robert Downey Jr. than with Chris Hemsworth. And so therefore this movie was more forgivable insofar as it was just a bunch of nonsense. If you expected Cap to come back and mean something though. That was yeah, a bad. crushing disappointment and I don't know why it, it, it seems clear that some combination of the studio and Chris Evans and everybody just like seems to not care because they just did not give Cap anything to do. And this guy's been the moral center and the heart of everything that's been best about these movies. Every significant moment with him is actually in the trailers. That's really true this time. Oh, should we mention the angry, angry crowd at the end yeah. of our movie? <laughs> I thought that crowd was a sign that the movie was a huge success. And it actually Uh made me, it probably tipped me towards being more forgiving, seeing it with a crowd that was laughing at all the jokes. It was just like, I I was laughing at all the jokes. I was hanging with that movie until they killed T'Challa and then turned around and killed Spider-Man. And then I said, no, but there was a switch that flipped. I was with it all the way through. Okay, guys. Well, uh, is there anything else we want to say about this movie? Should people take their kids to see it? Depends on how old your kids are. There's no, there's nothing particularly dirty or sexual, if that's your number one question. There's, in terms of Marvel movies and showing skin, you're not going to find topless male physiques on display. You're yeah, that's nice. You're going to find um, a lot of, even the, the female fight scenes aren't as sexualized as lots of other Marvel. Yeah, I thought this was, I mean, I don't know how else to talk about this. This was one of the least uh, sexualized or sexy time. Marvel movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was nice. It's it's a little bit... The world was ending. They didn't have time to be sexy. Right. As sexy, at least. Certainly, if you're... Like, the Guardians movies, to me, are the ones that feel the most mean and violent and sexual in certain places. This well, movie yeah, and the humor in the Guardians movies... Is really... Can be pretty vulgar. This didn't yeah, have any and, and the humor in Ragnarok was pretty vulgar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing... I mean, I'm sure... Of vulgar jokes. Brat's got a big laugh line that's a blasphemy, which is too bad. The movie's long, and it, even though it's got a lot of jokes, it's also kind of dark and impressive feeling. It takes place in murky environments, if that's the kind mm. of thing that you have a kid that's sensitive to. You might consider that, I suppose. If, if you've seen other Marvel movies, I think, like Civil War, for example, has a scene where a guy's upside down being tortured with water filling up in a sink, and he's struggling mm. and dying. Yeah, that's That, worse. to me, is very realistic and nasty, and yeah. I, I felt bad. That was I worse. Think, I think I actually saw that movie with a younger kid kid and i was like oh i wish we'd remembered this but this movie didn't feel like it had anything quite on that level as far as the aliens were pretty gross yeah and frightening loki's death was yeah loki's death pretty was gruesome loki's death was pretty gruesome but what's it rated 13 yeah probably a pretty good rating yep i would rather you take your kids to see this movie than uh Star Wars movie. Yes. If if your metric is Star Wars, then there's going to be a lot less philosophical garbage to wade through in this. There'll still be some, but not like that last Star Wars movie. Yuck. Do what you want. I don't care what you do. Just be wise. Use your discernment. Listen to good podcasts and then make your own decision. Ben Solzer's not going to do it for you. Well, I, I will. Okay, Ben, should they take their babies that are in the womb to see this? I don't know that it would make much of a difference to them. What if they put headphones playing the movie on no, the womb? No, maybe not. Maybe maybe take your babies in the womb to the movies, but put on headphones with Mozart while you do that. While you do that, babies. and then they'll turn into super smart That's right. babies Geniuses. that punch purple aliens through walls. That sounds great. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for watching. Should you see this movie, yes or no, Jake? Eh, sure. Should you see this movie, yes or no, Ben? Why not? Should you see this movie, yes or no, Nathan? Yes. 
what are you going to do? Not see it? It's a fact of life. That's the biggest thing to say about the Marvel movies. They just are. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Sanity at the Movies. We'll be back next week. Sanity at the Movies was produced by Nathan Alberson. Nope. Sanity at the Movies was engineered by Nathan Alberson. Produced by... Nope. Sanity at the Movies was engineered by Ben Solzer. Engineered by... Nope. Sanity at the Movies was engineered by Ben Solzer. Solzer. Engineered by Ben The end is near.